On GDC Podcast episode 13, we have Mike Rose, founder of Hypnospace Outlaw and Descenders publisher No More Robots. He'll be here to talk about game discoverability, online publishing, and community building tips. This episode was recorded during the recently held GDC Summer. Back in a sec. the second GDC podcast live episode. I'm Chris Graft, editor-in-chief of Gamma Sutra. I'm here with uh, Alyssa. Yeah. Hello, Alyssa. Hello, I'm Alyssa McLuhan. I am news editor, associate publisher at Gamma Sutra, and they let us do this podcast a second time after... <laughs> yeah, I know. I wonder, a lot of trust. <laughs> I wonder if anyone except for our co-workers, like other than our co-workers are watching right now. <laughs> uh, but but um, welcome and thank you, uh, thank you for joining us, those of you who are here. So it's weird, Alyssa. This is like episode thirteen, and I don't know about our guest mixed with the number thirteen. It's a <laughs> recipe. There's a lot of interesting timing uh, with the live episodes of the podcast. Uh, like yesterday, our guest coincided with an announcement that Able Gamers had. And today, yeah. like lucky number thirteen with a uh, special guest, Mike Rose. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it is it is Mike Rose. I think. Do, do you think? Oh, did that, I spoil uh, that? No, that's in the no, description. No, no, because uh, if uh, I like, he is the draw. People would not be here if they didn't know that uh, the Mike Rose. Uh, <laughs> certainly, they're not they're not here for us. But yeah, uh, well, let's let's talk about him a little bit. So uh, our next guest for episode thirteen. All right. He's taller in person than you'd expect. Uh, once threw an individually wrapped pad of butter at my eye during a dinner with PlayStation execs while in Germany. Uh, he, he once worked for uh, Tiny Build, the publisher Tiny Build, where he wore an orange baseball cap all the time. That was uh, his, what he's most known for. Uh, now he's the founder of indie publisher No More Robots, and they've published games, including. Descenders, ever hear of it, with the, with the bicycles? <laughs> that one game with the bicycles and the hills and they descend. Yeah, they go down. It's, like, it's really cool. Yeah, and they flip all over the place. It's very good. Um, also, Yes, You're Graced. Yes, You're Grace, And also the uh, IGF finalist, Hypnospace Outlaw. But there's more. He has spoken at GDC multiple times about digital publishing. I'm pointing at you like I'm chastising you. <laughs> we're, on, we're on Zoom and I'm not used to my gesticulations being uh, broadcast. Yeah, so, um, and he's talked a lot about digital publishing and game discoverability. Uh, he'll be leading a live skill building series session here at GDC Summer. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And he also used to work with me at Gamma Sutra, where we used to give each other endless crap. So, uh, and he's a great guy. So let's welcome Mike Rose. Hi, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was, a, that was a really pleasant and long intro. Yeah, I love yeah. these live intros because we can see you on mute in Zoom mm. and just like reacting to everything. And nobody else yeah. Knows. I think yeah. I was nodding through most of that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really need to update your personal page or get some kind of fact 
based thing. I just need you. I just need a recording of everything you just said, <laughs> just to play when people want to know. Now. Yeah. yeah so, so how how have you been, Mike? You you had you've had a busy uh, busy past week, busy past three months. You're always busy. That's one of the things about you. You're yeah. just like have seem to have endless amounts of energy for all these projects. So how how's yeah. it going at Normal Robots? Do you know the funny thing is though that uh, I really don't like. Um, I actually think I did when I started this. I think when I started this, I was. I, I was going to say I was still young. I, I absolutely wasn't, but I was uh, less tired. And now I am so tired, but, but I'm, I'm happy as well. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy about it all. But yeah, uh, the answer is I don't have the energy to do it. Um, I, was say, I was saying to you guys just before we came on, I, I'm, I'm, getting to, I'm, I'm getting to the end of this year now. I'm, I'm ready to start winding down. Uh, which is kind of happening with what we're doing, uh, but yeah, uh, it's been been busy. Very yeah, busy. I, I have bad news for you. Like, there's still quite mm. a bit of this year left. Yeah, uh, but uh, I don't know. We, we time we doesn't don't... exist anymore for one. So I don't know what you're <laughs> no. talking about. <laughs> no, no. I, I, yeah, I mean, for us, like, we don't launch anything kind of between like October and December because we just get steamrolled by you know triple a uh so those months at least i get to sit back a little bit you know we've got all the things like steam sales etc uh which is pleasant but yeah in in general i get to uh chill out a little bit more than usual so first of all low energy for you is still up there yeah i would i would say that yeah yeah and so what has uh like you just had an announcement recently Mm. no more robots have a new game yeah (laughs) yes uh yesterday we announced uh like a new game we're publishing called tombstar uh which we're working with an australian team on one of the people involved guy called andy sum who uh, made a game a while ago called Crossy Road is probably like one of the biggest things that people know Andy for. Andy also, uh, the first time we ever interacted was when I tweeted saying, why has Andy made Crossy Road free? That's stupid. Like, that's not going to do well. (laughs) And then a couple of months later, it exploded. And then in a GDC talk, he then just had a slide, which was just my tweet. And that was it. (laughs) Um, so, So that was one of our first interactions. But um, no, it's been it's been really interesting working with them, and it, it's been interesting for me as well because uh, for some reason I like additional challenges each time we work with someone. Working with Australians is so strange because when I'm waking up, they're going to bed, and then anytime we want to do any announcement or anything, it's in American time when it's like four in the morning for them. So like when we announced the game yesterday, they they were it was four in the morning for them, and I think they were pretty tired. Um, but yeah, so we announced that yesterday and then, uh, and then today we were kind of announcing numbers because we've, I've been doing this for three years now somehow. Uh, yeah. So, uh, three years as of today, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been a long time and I, (laughs) and, and like, I, I, the funny thing is I've watched myself turn gray. I know I look ginger right now, but it's just because of the light. (laughs) I, I'm, I'm actually so gray. It's unbelievable. No, I'm glad this was a live like video cast episode. So like when you said it's been a long time, we could see you like staring off into the distance. (laughs) Contemplating. We should have just let let you hang out there with yourself for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, darkness, my old friend. Now, like, 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're known for you know speaking of GDC, and I, I like. I mean, I'm pretty. Sh- I, I I assume that like ninety percent of your relationships, um, you know, are sparked from some kind of insult that you hand someone, like with a, a- Andy Sum saying like, "Who's this guy doing? He's doing it yeah. wrong." Um, yeah. Now, uh, but you do go to GDC and you do go to other places and you talk about uh, digital publishing, uh, game discoverability is one thing that you talk about a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, No More Robots is described as a data-driven uh, publisher. Can you talk about that sort of thing and the, like yeah. some interesting stuff? You're just tweeting today about like uh, about some data. You, you're very open with it. Yeah, I, I think um, what... When I was at when I was at Gama, I I remember I was always trying to uh, do articles on uh, you know numbers. I was fascinated by numbers, and I was always fascinated the most by like I saw people putting games out, and they seemed to just be praying that the games were going to sell well. They they didn't seem to be using any numbers or anything, and they just seemed to be going well. I hope people are going to like this and putting it out. Some would be like, "Yeah, my game sold," and others would be like, "Oh, it didn't sell. Why? Why?" And I was always like, "Surely there are just ways to just suss out if a game is going to do well or not. It can't just be random when a game comes out." Uh, and that—that's part of why uh, I ended up going into publishing and stuff. I, I just fascinated by this kind of thing. And then in the years between, like me stopped working with with you guys and and starting my own thing. I just started to just hone in more and more on what were the numbers that were important. And there's obvious ones that have come to light now. You know, everyone just talks about Steam wish lists all the time, for example. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what my GDC talk is on tomorrow, actually. Um, so that's like a big one. But there's, there's so many other little numbers here and there where if you're just gathering all of these things and then looking at big old graphs all of the time, just like I do every single day, I was just looking at graphs before I came on this. And then and uh, now you're looking at a graph. And now yeah. I'm looking at a graph. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, then, then actually uh, it's quite, I was going to say it's easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's possible to source out how game, how your games are going to do, you know, and, and actually be able to be able to build some success for yourself, at least a level of success. Uh, so that was my theory. Anyway, when I started this thing and I, and I feel like I've proven that now. I, of course, I would say to, to make out like, you know, well, anybody can do this. Obviously, look, I, I am a mass, massively like privileged human being. Even just coming from working with you guys in the first place, I already knew a bunch of people. You know, like there were already connections I had. So I'm not going to be like, just do what I do and it'll work out great for you. I had to put in years and years. I was writing about games yeah. for, for like a decade before this, you know. Uh, so there is that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You should you should use that voice for the rest of. Uh, <laughs> the That's do. Different from you at a pre-show voice too. You got like I don't know. I've got so many them. voices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Mike was actually doing some some ASMR type stuff <laughs> right before <laughs> we we went live. Yeah. Type was, stuff. British ASMR. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right, Mike, uh, do some of your uh, some of your findings uh, up close and, and quiet and like soothing. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'll talk about one that I have been doing recently, and I and I plan to. Uh, I've, I've been I've been kind of building this data up, and I plan to do something big about it soon, actually. Uh, but one thing that has been fascinating me this year is the Nintendo eShop. Uh, mm. It's so it's so weird the Nintendo eShop. There isn't really another word for it. It's um, we we started putting games on the eShop. And I could just not work out how to make kind of games sell on this thing. Like I, we were doing fine on it, you know, the, the games were getting the porting cost back and all that, but I couldn't really suss it. And slowly but surely, I realized that the eShop uh, is entirely based on how much crap you can shovel, like just straight up. Like, how many copies can you get through the door? Because the eShop, most stores, they're based on revenue, right? And it, and it makes sense that they would be because it's, uh, you know, when you, if you heavy discount your game, it balances out. You still need to sell a lot of copies then to, to be kind of uh, climbing charts and getting natural, uh, like organic featuring. Uh, on the eShop, the eShop does not care if your game is, is 90% off. Uh, it's it's level pegging with all the other titles around it. So a twenty five dollar game and a one dollar game, if they both sell one copy, they're both in the same place in the chart. That's why you may have noticed when you go on the eShop, the charts are just ninety percent off games, because yeah. a bunch of publishers and devs have realized this, and then they just fill the chart. Uh, so uh, is that good or is that good or bad? Well, I mean. <laughs> You can. I'd love to know what you think, really. But from my perspective, it's not fantastic, you know. Because, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, put it this way: we, you know, we put out Yesha Grace on Switch recently, and it and it did decently on there. I'm I'm happy with how it sold. But on the same day, a, a Sudoku game came out uh, that was three dollars, and it was mm -hmm. uh, sixty six percent off on on launch day, so it was one dollar. Mm -hmm. And in two days, it got to number five in the top in the top charts on Switch. And I now know how many units that means you're selling because <laughs> the answer is a lot, right? So they were yeah. selling tons of units and they probably outsold us uh, because of how many units they were doing eventually. But anyway, uh, about a month like I ago... I should have come up with Sudoku. <laughs> I should just be putting out Sudoku games. The, the, <laughs> the thing is that about a month ago, I decided, right, well, uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a go with this. And this is the thing I've not really talked about yet and I plan to talk about in the future. About a month ago, I decided, screw it, I'm going to put one of our games 90% off. Just see what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, so you may or may not know, I have this game uh, called Not Tonight, uh, which is mm -hmm. an anti-Brexit yeah. simulator, um, mm -hmm. which obviously goes down well with everybody. And uh, so I talked to the dev, and he was like, yeah, let's just go for it. Uh, we mm -hmm. stuck the game on 90% off. After two days, we were in the top sellers. And uh, right now, if you check the eShop on your device, you will find the game. It, I think in the UK shop, it got to like number two. In most of Europe, yeah. it was in the top five. And we have just sold bucket loads of units in the last <laughs> the, few the weeks. Way that, the, okay, the way that you're talking about this also, like it's almost like you're acting like you're getting away with something. You're, but, but the, you're but, like, but okay, the, check this. Out. I know, but the, but this is the thing. That's not how it should work, right? Like, I, I it, it just shouldn't work that way. Yeah. And 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 the problem for me is that uh, I'm obviously not the only one who's realized this. I see, I see everybody doing this now. I I actually started doing it because I saw Curve Digital doing it, 
with I saw one of their games over and over again. I've seen Team 17 doing it. So I thought, screw it, I'll join in. But the problem is, the more and more people that do this, we all know how this goes. We've seen this Race happen to the bottom, right? times. Yeah, of course. Yeah. See, how many times have we seen this? And And the thing is, me trying to be like, well, I'm going to stick to my guns and not discount my games now. Then I just don't sell anything. So I have to join the race now. So when you deep discount a game like that on Switch and then you discount goes away, you're back at full price. How does that trend at that point? Does it still do well from being on those lists? Or Yeah, so so we, so we actually uh, the game uh, just came off discount in the U.S., and yesterday, it definitely didn't sell as many copies as it was while it was on offer, yep. but it actually did sell more units yesterday than it normally did before the sale, just from being in the top seller's charts. So at full price, it's now selling decently because it's in the charts. Uh, but anyway, the, the point is that uh, imagine what it's going to be like in six months on the eShop. Like, once everyone's realized this is the thing, all the people who listen to this now are quickly going into their Nintendo backend, like, <laughs> like putting ninety percent off. Like it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a, a an S show. I, I don't know if I can swear on this, but it's going to be it's going to be bad news. Uh, and uh, I mean, I don't think Nintendo are going to do anything about it. We're talking it's Nintendo we're talking about, isn't it? So they're not going to do anything about this. Have so, we had a Switch apocalypse yet? Is that a Term that we coined. I think we're about to have a switch apocalypse. Mm. I, I think by this Christmas, we we will be. Uh, but anyway, that's just one. That's just one of the lovely things that I've been experimenting with recently. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and you, you do this. You do this thing like so for for so many uh, publishers and developers. You know, smaller size. They're they have to do this kind of reverse engineering of it, and it's interesting. Like seeing and and you've always been like this like things are a black box to everyone and then you kind of go to the end point you go to the storefront and then you just <laughs> and you're just like <laughs> this is like yeah if you're listening i'm making a hand motion like i'm unwrapping a <laughs> tiny little present <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah 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 so, but, but I'll, well you, like this is how this is this is weirdly fun to me. Doing this, like, doing this, be like, oh, what happens when it's 90% off? I'm watching it go. every morning. Like, my alarm would go off. And the first thing I did was just grab the switch. Like, where are we up to on the eShop now? <laughs> Checking the charts. Refreshing the store page. Like, yeah. And yeah. you're just like, it's working. It's working with that. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. This so is hilarious. my life. And I, for some reason, I love this stuff. I love just working out how to break online stores. Yeah. What's the next marketplace for you after you're done destroying the Switch? Like, where, what's next? Uh, you're done the one, initiating the Switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, the one the one I'm currently tussling with is, is PS4. We've not we've we've mm-hmm. only got one title on there, and we're about to have uh, Descenders on there as well. We're about to do uh, our first retail game actually uh, in in three weeks. Uh, Descenders is out on like August 25th, I think. So that is massively exciting for me. Uh, but I, I guess that's going to be the next thing I'm tracking. Is is retail worth it? <laughs> is retail like, worth like Rose it? reports? You have you have an American radio voice too. Yeah, yeah. Switch apocalypse 2020. <laughs> this is the thing. The, the thing for me though is that like uh, every single time I do something, my immediate reaction for this kind of stuff is. Right, I can't wait to collect all the data and show everybody in the world. Whereas I know that that's like I get people telling me from like other publishers, like DMing yeah. me, being like, 
Why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep telling everybody how to do everything? Every time you tell people, they just work it out. And then everybody starts doing it. Hey, and and like platform holders have always appreciated you uh, sharing your reverse engineering results. They love data transparency. They love it. They love it. Yeah, the platform holders love it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like when I used to write about games, I was like, I don't care. I'll just dump any data anywhere because it doesn't bother me. Now now I try to be a little more clever. I try try to like, I try not to be like, here's all our sales data. For Xbox yeah. and PlayStation, this one, this one easy trick to get to the top of the eShop. Nintendo hates it. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's always it's always fun. But I don't care about giving data away because, quite frankly, uh, the industry ch- changes so quickly that mm. anything I any any guidance I give people six months later it's completely different like the stuff I'm saying about Switch now in six months yeah. it ain't gonna work anymore no by, by the end of this show it's gonna be completely <laughs> obsolete so yeah. Um, yeah should we let's see should we go to chat Alyssa and just get like chat. There's, there's one question uh, what was the questions Micro Destroyer yeah. of Worlds uh, no. um, uh, I am destroyer Gabe, of Gabe Pofcher asks let me read this make sure it's all <laughs> on the up and up which you should do before you intro the question yeah yeah, yeah. um hi mike you're probably familiar with mailing list evangelist chris zukowski who i do know is a super nice guy uh when i asked him about the discord strategies from your excellent gdc talks he told me quote email kicks everything else's ass referencing mm-hmm. 10 times higher open rates care mm-hmm. to respond Sure, sure. Screw you, Chris. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. No. So, so uh, I, I don't disagree, but I also don't think that the two things are the same thing. Uh, this is going to be a very boring next 30 seconds. The, the thing with mailing lists are they're great for just like trying to get a ton of people to quickly go to a thing. You know, you email them all and then they're all clicking on a link and that's fantastic. But uh, it's also a very like uh, you're like a very specific thing. Go here. Now go here. Now go here like this, which is great for that use. Uh, for me, uh, one of the reasons why I build Discord communities for our games is because the people who are in the community for your game have uh, are just so much uh they're just incredibly useful people to have around because especially kind of once you kind of get in deep with them all and they and they feel real like real connection to your game they end up doing so much more uh for your game than just clicking on some links you know they will you'll end up like uh, we always get whenever one of our games launches within the first couple of hours we've got a bunch of positive uh, reviews on Steam already because all of these people who were super invested in the game have now all quickly bought it. They're all in the Discord showing their screenshots of buying the game. Look how quickly I bought the game. And then, uh, and then two hours later, they've all left a Steam review. And of course, they've left a positive one because they've been looking forward to the game so long. Um, it's stuff like that. Uh, like when you want to do some testing, uh, you can just like grab some people from your Discord server who you trust, kind of pull them in, say, hey, do you want to just check out this thing? We're doing some balancing on the game. There's just so many useful ways that you can utilize uh, a community for a game that don't come from the like anonymity of of having a bunch of people on a mailing list. 
I guess. Dig into like your Discord stuff. When you say like going through Discord, you don't mean like I set up a server, here's one channel and everybody just chats. Like you do some really intricate Discord oh, things, like weird tricks and ARGs, yes. right? Yes, we do really weird stuff. I could probably talk for an hour about it, but the the, the short version is that we do strange like D&D style ARG stuff where uh, we're about to start one for, the, for Tombstar on Monday, actually, uh, where we get people when they join the Discord server, they all join a team. Uh, and they all like pledge their allegiance to some team. So, like in the new one, it's either like the Space Force or it's this uh, horrible gang. But maybe the Space Force are the bad guys all along. And, and then, and then we'll have them all doing like things against each other. I think for this Tomb Star one, we're doing like some weird like Risk style board game where they're going to be like taking on a map and they're going to have to vote on where they want to take on the map and all this kind of stuff. It's Nothing to do with the game. We always make sure that the weird games that we're doing are actually uh, nothing mechanically to do with the video game itself, but they have the lore of the video game in them so that then when people play the game, they know the characters already uh, and they know who they care about. And, uh, and, and in the meantime, it keeps them all entertained and makes them want to stick around in the community rather than just... You know, you invite them and say, game's coming out in six months, so just chill. Mm -hmm. Chill and don't leave, please. Uh, it, it gives them a, a purpose to, to stay, and it means when other people join as well, they're like, what the holy heck is going on in here? Uh, and, and they kind of yeah. want to join as well. So there's also, uh, you know, since I've known you, you've really shown that you can find really obscure games and to what to me seem like obscure places that are actually good games. And then mm -hmm. uh, I know you did that at Tiny Build and I know that you do that at No More Robots. Can you talk about that, you know, that process where you're, you know, being proactive and seeking out games and what catches your eye? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't really know how I find them. Okay, a lot of question. the time, uh, a yeah. lot of the time, it's like so random. Mm -hmm. I uh, most of the games, like uh, I, uh, I either just like bump, I, I bumped into people at events, and they just show me something on the fly. Because as you imagine, I see like a million games every yeah. single week. You know, literally millions of games, and uh, and and every now and again, one just catches my eye. I think the big thing for me that I try to tell people the most is that the reason I sign the games that I do is because the moment I see them, then my brain goes, oh, what the heck is this? Like, and if I don't have that reaction, then the average person isn't going to have that reaction either. You know, like if I don't immediately go, oh, what, what, what am I looking at? Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, you know, sometimes I have that reaction and then I dig deeper and there's something that, you know, that maybe there's, the, the pins aren't aligned. But, but the games I have signed, that's happened with every single one of them, basically. Yeah. Your games yeah. are all like different genres, different visual styles. Like there's, is there like a consistent thread through all of them besides just that like wow factor in the back of your brain somewhere? Or? Not really, no. I, I, I think I made a conscious decision to not do that in the first place. I saw like, um, I saw people uh, like Devolver, you know, uh, at the time when I started, especially had the sort of uh, gritty, uh, you know, that a lot of their games were kind of bloody. I know they've kind of moved away from that a bit now, uh, but 
Uh, I felt like I didn't want to do that. Uh, I felt like I wanted it to be more that I'm just all over the place. Like, what will do this next? mountain bike yeah. game, and now I've got this alternate reality 90s internet simulator. And <laughs> yeah, um, I really don't care what genre it is. If it's if it's weird, I like it. Is that, is that like a say, marketing challenge at all? Like jumping around like that so wildly? How do you handle that? In a weird way, the opposite is a marketing challenge for me. When a when a game is uh, is like other games, it's a marketing challenge. A lot of the time, when I first come to write the first press release announcing a game, you know, one of our games, and I'm like, oh god, like maybe this will be hard. And then I sit there and I just start typing. And I'm like. This is this is a piece of piss. Like I, I like I can just easily talk about this because it's like literally no other game. Like when I first typed out the sentence, "Hypnospace Outlaw, new game from No More Robots, is a '90s alternate reality internet simulator." Where and and that immediately is just like someone's gonna click that. Yeah, that's it weird. right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's just weird. And I so I think if, if anything, having more uh, having like uh, signing more generic games is is harder. I think, mm-hmm. because then how do you describe a more generic game that is like a lot of other games? Uh, and that's what I like wanted to touch on too. And we're gonna get to uh, this next question in a second. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it kind of boils down to the game itself is, you know, it, it's its own marketing material, right? That's, at least that's what that's it seems exactly like it. With, with your stuff. That's exactly it. Like I, I obviously, I would, I, love to say that i'm fantastic at what i do of course i do but but the truth is that half the battle is the game itself mm-hmm. and 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 the truth is I, I i pick the game specifically because i see something in them where i'm like i'm gonna be able to sell a crap out of this like this is mm-hmm. already i can already I, when i'm first talking to a dev and i'm on like the first call with them talking about whether we should work together or not i'm already sat there like scribbling things down oh i could do this and i could say this thing and, and, and all this kind of stuff like when we were first talking about hypnospace we were saying oh when we launch this we should put out like aol style cds to, to press for it that would be hilarious like it, it, i i already know when i first start talking to someone if i'm gonna be able to sell this thing just from whether or not my brain is exploding with it or not yeah um, that's what happens a lot of the time we do have a question from Ajit Singh asking, uh, "What is the uh, just straightforward? Uh, mm. What is the best? What are the best methods for promoting an indie game?" Uh, well, uh, God, that's wide, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I will, uh, I will say that uh, the the best ways uh, are the ways where you can actually see the uh let me see how to word this the the best ways that i have found when i'm selling things are ones where i can straight up see whether it's having an effect or not rather than just doing things and like hoping oh i hope this is going to do something uh for example like um social media stuff quite frankly doesn't do a lot for us to be honest like we i we do obviously we still do social media stuff it would be crazy not to, but we do not focus hard on it because tweets and, and Facebook and all that for our games, they don't really do anything. We might get like two clicks on a link per tweet or something like that. Uh, it's not fantastic. The, the stuff that does work for us uh, is, is the Discord stuff, uh, the, the running a, a, a private beta before we, before we launch a game, you know, kind of uh, giving away like the first level um, of one of our games. We, we normally try to give sort of like, 
20 to 30 minutes of the game away uh, via like a Steam key. And we then say to people when they're signing up for that, hey, why don't you... Uh, why don't you give us a little cheeky Steam wish list while you're doing that? Mm-hmm. And that works amazingly, you know, because then every single person that we're convincing to wish list the game on Steam is then getting an email on the day that the game launches to say, hey, remember this game you wish listed? It's stuff like that that's actually like tangible. Like someone is going to hear, that person's now going to hear about the game the day it launches. That's invaluable. Uh, so it's stuff like that trying to build the numbers that matter uh, really is, uh, is, is the most important thing to us. I hope that answered the question. It was quite a, it was quite a wide-ranging question, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And you can find all of Mike's um, obsolete talks on GDC YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, you know, speaking of uh, talks and stuff, uh, you're, we've got about four minutes before we have to go oh, no. to a, a break. Um, that went so fast. <laughs> Sorry. Did. Um, did you have something you wanted to ask, Alyssa? No, I'm just. Mind? There's a lot. There's some other good questions in chat, and other good like questions. That oh, we we're, did. yeah, there's we're, not we're, time. We, still get, we still we still got some time. Let's do power. Let's just power too. through them. I'll yeah. do twenty <laughs> second answers. Boom, boom, boom. boom. Uh, but uh, wish lists. You mentioned wish lists, and yeah. your session is going to be about wish lists. Yes. Um, just spoil the whole talk in the next three and a half minutes for everyone. Yeah, I can do that. So tomorrow I will be giving a talk, a GDC Summer Talk, uh, about building Steam wishlists, all the ways that we do it. Uh, Steam wishlists are important because uh, part of what I was just saying there, it's a tangible number. We know now that, for example, roughly 25% of Steam wishlists end up converting into into sales, uh, which, you know, if you... If you build thirty thousand wish lists before you launch your game, you already know that you're gonna get, you know, a decent number of sales, which is obviously really useful. So uh, my talk is essentially going to be going through all of the ways that we attempt to make those wish list numbers go up. That's it. That's the talk. <laughs> hope you, I hope you like liked the- it. <laughs> There's the Destiny meme, like, yes, number go up. And it's the same for game publishing. It's literally the same. Isn't it life, though? Life (laughs) is just the the numbers going up. (laughs) That's what it is. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the GDC podcast live. Over to you, Christian. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna throw that to Brian to, or Alex or Alyssa or anybody. Anybody. I don't, anybody. Gonna, it's gonna, everybody's podcast. I'm gonna throw oh, this yeah. one to uh, to Alyssa then. <laughs> we're wasting our valuable and limited time. Uh, we're now joined by fellow uh, Gamma Sutra contributors and editors Alex Waro and Brian Francis. Say hello and introduce yourself. Hello, hello, I'm Brian Francis. I'm a contributing editor at Gama Sutra. Yesterday I was called a hooligan. I insisted I was a highwayman. I am today still a highwayman. Alex, who are you? Oh, I'm just like a general in there, do well. Uh, I'm Alex Waro, an editor at GamaSutra.com, and uh, I'm excited to get in here and talk about GDC summer. How's everybody's GDC going? How are you feeling? Ooh, I sl- I've slept for like five hours each day. <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule for just what, everything going on and how is the t- like the team behind the scenes? Please sleep. 
Oh, Mike, did you have a good time in uh, in chat with with everyone there? Did you answer everyone's questions? I had a fantastic we're all gonna time. See, we're going to see all these developers; their games are going to be at the top. Of, of <laughs> anyone the, of who the attended this, yeah, this is this is a charts. relevant question because we have now enough Gamma Sutra people here to dominate the conversation. Why was Gamma Sutra hacked at the start of the year? <laughs> It was <laughs> the joke because none of us knew it was. It, was it, it can be anything. Yeah. The internet's magic, and no one knows how it works. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's actually the best. Uh, uh, were there any questions answer. you answered during the break you wanted to elaborate on while we're on a hot mic? Uh, no. Okay. I, cool, I, I, I think I, I think I, I think I answered every. I, I will say if anybody has any more questions, keep throwing them at me. Uh, it's it's half past ten at night here now. I'm yeah. I'm I'm losing my mind. So it's Mike. Fine. I I have I have a question for you. You you yes. started at the set of this. You 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 identified a mindset which is like, oh, I hope this game sells. You know, as a thing that you saw when you were writing for us. Mm -hmm. um, I've met a lot of developers who sometimes sort of go. Um, it's not that oh we hope this sells. It's like oh no we sort of trust that it'll sell. You know we sort of trust that like if we get these reviews on Steam, if we pay for these ads, that things will happen. Um, and that leads to a different mindset, a different kind of release date where either like, you know, the ad budget is very expensive and yet mm. the numbers are just kind of okay and they may keep the developer alive. But it's not like, you know, it's not the strategy you pitched. Like, have you encountered that mindset with some of the developers you work with? How do you sort of uh, behoove upon them that, no, please take this seriously. We need to take this seriously, that we are in a system and we must explain. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that what you've described quite frankly, is probably most game developers. The thing you, the thing you got to always remember is people who make games are not video game marketers. Like, they, they, people who make games went in to make games to make games. They, uh, how many times do you see, especially on, like, Twitter or something over the years, people who make games being like, oh, no one bloody told me I was going to have to sell this thing as well. Like, it, and, and to be honest, I understand it. Like, it is two completely different mindsets. I started trying to make video games. I went to university to, to learn how to do it. I failed miserably. So then I decided I'd jump over and, and start crapping on, on, on other people's creations. But, like, this is the thing. Like, it, like I say, it's, it's two completely different mindsets. It's why so many people do need a publisher. When, there are, when you find those people who make games... And they're really like, and all that. I always think of uh, good old uh, Andy Schutz. Uh, he he always, uh, he's he's the kind of person I'm talking about. Or like uh, Nathan Bella or someone like that. You can tell that they are just also going to be able to sell their game. Uh, but not everybody is, is a person like that. And so some people yeah. need someone to help them sell games. That's just how it is. I, like, are you just covered in like spreadsheets and, and things like that? Uh, you know, I, yeah. I think I think a lot of people, if if data is um, key, uh, you know, to kind of reverse engineer this stuff and get better insight into black boxes, um, how do you organize the data? How like how do you collect it, and what's what's your kind of process there? Oh, I just don't. I I okay. literally right now have over 20 tabs open and all of them is data from many, many different players. I've got Google Analytics here. I've got Reddit here. I've got YouTube stuff here. I've got Google Forms here. Like, I, I'm actually an incredibly uh, unorganized person, truth be told. Uh, it's actually why I have, the more games we got, I've had to finally admit to myself, maybe I actually need some help with this. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there's now, there's now seven people who work at No More Robots. You know, oh, okay. and, and it's another point, actually, like, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people see me going, ah, 
on Twitter, they know my whereabouts. But actually, there is like six other people who work with me who helped me an incredible amount. I, I hired, I finally hired a producer earlier this year, uh, a wonderful lady called Sally Blake, who basically, since she started, has made me realize how on earth was I running this in the fucking first place? <laughs> like, it, it's, it's crazy. I do not understand how, how I did this before I had her help. Uh, get a yeah. producer if you don't have one please do it I just didn't realise but uh, yeah it, there's definitely people who help me kind of keep this thing going yeah. I, I want to ask a question from Vance Barron in the chat Yeah, uh, who says a lot of people have told me that as an indie dev buying ads is completely useless uh, is that true and if not where are the actually useful places to buy ads that indies could afford or are there like more you know effective mm. ways of promotion than that Yes. The answer is yes. Buying ads is useless. Uh, the only place that I have found buying ads to be useful is Reddit. And I say this, it's good for breaking even on your ads on Reddit. So I, I have worked out how to... Uh, how to it, it, the, the bottom line is on Reddit, you can choose how much you pay per click. So I just worked out the formula for how many clicks do I need before people, what, what's the percentage of people who click through who then wishlist the game and how many of those people who wishlist the game buy the game? And then I can reverse engineer that back and work out, right, I need a click-through rate of 30 cents. And so then I set it to 30 cents and then we're getting people clicking and as technically those people I'm just breaking even on. We're paying for the ads and then those people are paying for the ads with, with their purchases. But of course, the, the point is that it's making all the holy algorithms uh, happier, that we're getting more sales and we're getting more views, <clears throat> which then organically leads to more. So in a way, we are getting something. Outside of Reddit ads, it's a massive, massive waste of time. I, I've seen people like, oh, I've seen people spend so much money on ads. I mean, I'm not AAA, so maybe in AAA it makes sense. You know, when you see like Assassin's Creed plastered all over everything, I'm sure that must make sense. Uh, for indie for indie people, God no! I've seen people pay like forty thousand dollars for like a couple of banners at PAX. You know, like those big hanging banners at PAX. And then when their game comes out, I'm like, "You've sold about five hundred copies, mate." Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Mike, um, do you have to do you have to rerun that calculation with every new game, or do you have like a rate inside that you know roughly, like the the, the CPM is average for? You just sort of well, have to start spending for every game and figure out what the click through rate is. Yeah, roughly, roughly all our games cost the same, so mm -hmm. uh, and and roughly have all the same rates, or at least if they're not getting the same rates, we work out why not. Uh, yeah, we swap some key art out, we change the wording, etc. This is this is getting extremely close to it sounding like I know what I'm doing, but uh, I, I yeah this that's the kind of uh, horrible maths that I love playing with every day really. Yeah, uh, mm. there's so you actually gave a talk in 2018, mm. and let me get the title right: "Making the World Give a Damn About Your Game in 2018." Is that mm. about the same as making people give a damn about your game in 2020? As, I mean, certainly things have changed yeah. in the past couple of years. There's some things that have changed. Uh, a lot of it is still is still similar. I, I think uh, some of the things that have massively changed for us uh, uh, include like stuff that is 
is currently kind of upcoming and you can feel it you can feel it in the air coming for example stuff like game pass uh game yeah. pass uh, and game pass and other things like game pass mm-hmm. you know because you know that there's more game passes coming it's, it's not gonna be the only one is it netflix appeared and then how many other netflixes appeared it, it this, this is going to be a model that's going to be coming and it's something that we've had to think about a lot uh we we are you know constantly talking to various different platforms about trying to get these these kind of deals yep. uh subscription deals etc um I, I would I would advise uh, everybody to look into these kind of things because I don't think I think if you've got the right game for these platforms, the people behind these platforms are going to care. Uh, and if you don't ask, then you're definitely not going to get on them. And that's... are you concerned at all that they're going to devalue games over the next like five ten years? Yeah. Uh, yes, I am. I am. Uh, I uh, I was I was a couple of years ago when it started happening. We started putting games titles on Game Pass, and I think right now it's fine. <laughs> like right in this moment in time, the money is there. Like there's the the deals are there, etc. For it to make sense, and I think other platforms like Game Pass are going to appear, who are also going to be offering nice deals, etc. The problem comes in a couple of years, two to five years, when there are four services and they've all got every game. So why do they need your game? But also, if you're not on the service, no one's playing your game. And the global economy is being rewritten right now with what people's finances oh, yeah. look like. So that's uh, that's that's those those two things go hand in hand. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, uh, and and but but the the thing is that especially with next gen about to happen, uh, I feel like what always happens is whenever there's a a new generation of console, that sort of kicks everyone up the arse a little bit. You know, it, it's all of a sudden everything's a bit more exciting, and you get that little burst of um, of of people caring about the stuff again. And I especially feel like uh, if we're in an unfortunate circumstance where what's happening in the world right now is still going on as these consoles are coming out, which it's seeming like maybe it's going to. What are you referring uh, to again? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it feels like that might actually uh, really sort of boost that even more. I mean, everyone's been saying already, right, that video game sales in general have been up. I know ours have uh, since all of this horrible stuff has been happening. I can only assume, I don't know about how it'll affect manufacturing, of course, but I can only assume that uh, the demand for next-gen is going to be strong. And so I feel like once that kicks off for the next year or so after that, we're going to see sort of uh, excitement in video games, hype, etc., which passes to everybody, which is good. I think it's good. Uh, new next gen, but so so yeah, it's just video games, isn't it? It's always all over the place. It's always all over the place. Every year, I have the same conversation with the same people at GDC. Oh, video games, what's going to happen? It's yes. all over. <laughs> That's how it works. Um, Mike, there is a good question in chat. I think yes. we should get to, but I also want to ask, um, as a person who gives advice, uh, you know, and, and is trying to figure out advice and you're sometimes trying to read the bones and like, like literally sometimes doing, you know, like old pagan magic to figure out if your video game will sell or not. Um, there's kind of a phenomenon where like advice is good, 
But the problem is the advice is good for the experience that the advice was already lived through. So by the time you're giving it, um, yeah. you know, especially if it's marketing advice, um, the, the ground is already changing under you, um, which isn't to say like, don't go to Mike's talk, go to Mike's talk. But how have you like adapted to that when talking to your fellow developers and trying to like, like uh, jam on these ideas together? Yeah, you're you're definitely right. Like a lot of the stuff, uh, I guess it's what we were kind of touching on a second ago about like, you know, does a talk that I gave in 2018 still still work? Uh, yeah, a lot of this stuff does change uh, very rapidly. Uh, and especially as there's new platforms coming out. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're talking about like subscriptions, etc. In the, in the next two years, how many talks about that is going to come out? And which ones do you listen to? And, you know, who's... And who's just saying nice things about platforms because they're on them, et cetera. It's, it's, it's a minefield with this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think um, when you're looking, if, if someone's looking for advice, pretend, pretend there's someone listening who their game isn't out for 12 months and they're thinking, I'm going to have to start doing selling stuff in about six months. You should definitely in six months at that point then start to look for recent sales figures, recent ways people are, are selling things, et cetera. Uh, and maybe not completely rely on talks that, that are a year old at that point, because yeah, stuff moves fast. Uh, Sorry to um, captain the ship for a second, but uh, for Gene, G- Gabe Pafker's question before we leave here, what yeah. convention or show strategy uh, would you recommend for small indies with low sales budgets and expectations? You have yeah. 30 seconds to answer. <laughs> Do not get a booth. Uh, I, I and, and when I say that, I really, to be honest, mean at... I uh, don't want to say names. I, I I mean it like you know one of the big like shows where you know sixty thousand gamers turn up. Uh, those people who see your game are not going to convert into sales or anything because they're going to walk past your game or maybe even play it a little while and then just move on. Uh, if you are going to go to a show or you're close to a show or whatever, uh, just turn up and do meetings with useful people there. Uh, we've done shows uh, like booth kind of shows, and to be honest, we've stopped doing them now because uh, we just haven't seen the benefit of those kind of consumer shows. Really, that was what like was perfectly it? timed. Wow, nailed it. <laughs> uh, we're out of time. I'm gonna hijack and sign us yes. off. I guess. Yeah. Let's do uh, so, as mentioned before, if you want to see some of Mike's outdated talks on how to sell your video game, uh, you can find the, a lot of them for free on the GDC YouTube channel. A lot of great content there, and then Mike's content there too. So there's that. Uh, Mike, where should people bother you with questions? Oh, you should uh, go on my Twitters. I am uh, at Rave of Ravendale on the Twits. Hit me. <laughs> Never heard it said out loud. Twitter before. fights with you. <laughs> on the <laughs> Twits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tweet horrible things. And useful sometimes. It's like yeah. one for every uh, five, right? Yeah. A lot of horrible tweets. You, you, you. <laughs> People follow me just to see the horrible thing I'll say next. It's, your advice is so good that they endure the shit posts. Yes, exactly. So, yes. Pretty much. Uh, for the rest of us, thank you for joining us for our live podcast episode. We have another one tomorrow with Emily Greer, correct? Yeah. So we'll see you then. Yeah.